I really liked what you did in that lesson, but have you thought of doing it like this? Well, well no, no, I hadn't thought of doing it like this. Well, you know, you should. Um, you should. Uh, oh, okay. Well, you see, I'd, I've actually been looking at something else. I've been thinking maybe I'll, I'll try and do it a different way. A different way. Hello, welcome to the second podcast. So, this time around, I am visiting my family in Doncaster. I'm here with my mum and dad, and I was talking to my dad, and it made me realise that actually, he might be the perfect person to be the second podcastee. Um, he's got lots of interest in poetry of his own. He's kind of come to writing and come to poetry more recently. Um, lots of thoughts to share on education, but again, it's thinking of it in that slightly different way this is not something that you'll be able to do practically in school but it's interesting to talk to someone who has found that love of writing through a different route and it's interesting to bear in mind his reflections on schooling as well so I certainly enjoyed hearing his odd poems Um, I apologize for my wildly varying accent I think this will be a, a typical thing in the podcast I've got one of those chameleon voices that seeks to mirror everyone it goes near so enjoy and daddy time hello daddy hello johnny how are you fine thank you what we doing today Uh, i'm going to read you a poem which i've just finished called i don't want to play that game okay i don't want to play that game Dutch ovens after mushy peas beneath the sword of Democles. Pox roulette with STDs. I don't want to play that game. The way you try to tempt and tease, then crush my bones between your knees and cackle at my whimpering pleas. I don't want to play that game. Pocket billiards just seems tame. Rack em up to start the frame. Chalk me cue. Thanks all the same. I don't want to play that game. Pass the parcel, ticking bomb. True bravado, fake aplomb. Will you miss me when I've gone? I don't want to play that game. Knock down ginger on the intercom. Over the top with the next non-com. Hide and seek, we can't find Tom. I don't want to play that game. Husky fusky, finger or thumb. Okay till the fat boys come. To break my back and steal my tongue. I don't want to play that game. A murder mystery weekend break. Confessions of a past mistake, of what is true and what is fake. I don't want to play that game. Then back at home, just you and me, and broken toothed reality, with lies of how things used to be, it was really just the same. Chinese whispers, French charades, cheats who steal your hearts at cards and don't accept the blame. I don't want to play that game. Hmm. Thank you, Dad. It's very nice to hear your own dad talking about pocket billiards. <laughs> well, it is an obscure reference, which I'm hoping that not everybody will get. Dutch ovens? Uh, what is a Dutch oven, in case somebody doesn't understand? Well, I've, it's, a, it's a game which I'm aware of, and I wasn't sure whether it's an invention of ours, so I have actually Googled it. When you Google Dutch ovens, you come up with two answers. One is... a. It's a cast iron cooking pot, uh, which I'm assuming has Dutch origins. Mm-hmm. 
But the reference which I'm referring to is a game whereby you fart in bed, uh-huh, uh-huh. pull the covers over your partner's head. Uh, I don't, I don't assume there's a third party there judging, but no, uh, it's it's just a game. It's mm. just a game. And the key to a long marriage, maybe. <laughs> I like it very much, and I'm going to get you to share some more of your poems later, Dad. So maybe tell me a bit about your writing. So what sort of stuff do you like to write? Usually, I write comedy poems. Uh, whether, the, whether they can be seen as poetry or not, it's up to the reader. I tell a story in most of my comedy poems, uh, and, and basically they are the stories which I, I tried to make them rhyme just to make it into what I class as a poem. Mm-hmm. And where, like, what sort of things give you inspiration for the stories? Are they like completely made up? Are they completely real? What are they like? Most of them are either real or they're based on things from my past, things from my childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, I... I was brought up in a mining village, not much money about, and we were probably among the poorest in that village. Uh, so we we met a lot of unsavoury characters, to say the least. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've I've changed names of people, apart from Fred Floppy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure he's not with us anymore to object, and it was just such a good name that I. I could I couldn't change his name. I've, any any poem with flop, it's either be it Fred or his brother Bullfrog. <laughs> they they're they're the names which I didn't change. Hmm. And were they? I know I know the answer to this, but they're not actually called the Floppets, are they? No, nobody knows what the real name is. Uh, there there were three of them, although I've only I've only included two in my poems. Uh, they were hard drinkers, real, real, real hard drinkers. Uh, but no matter how drunk they were, they would never swear. They would say flop this, flop that, flopping hell. <laughs> but they would never, ever swear. It, Fred Floppit were a giant of a man, and we were only kids. Uh, and we used to taunt him on he'd sing up bustantly on and we'd taunt him and try to get him to swear uh, even even with size of him nobody was scared of Fred Floppy and you used to tease him and just try to get him to swear it, it, it were almost you'd be a legend if you could but no matter what you said to him how you taunted him it just said flop this and flop that mm. he's a great character I can see why he's still living in your poems He's a legend. He's a legend. Tell me a bit about Grimstone Low then. So loads of your poems take place in this place called Grimstone Low. Right. When I first wrote a poem, a Grimstone Low type poem, uh, I set it in the village where I was brought up uh, and I didn't really want any backlash. I, w- I was a bit scared to name, to name the village by name, so when I write about Grimston Low, I know where I mean, but I've just decided to call it Grimston Low. 
and having come up with the name of Grimston Low, I just like the name that much mm. that I uh, that I've that I've stuck with it, and so so a lot of my poems are based in Grimston Low, uh, but most of them are around the village where I brought where I was brought up, or villages near to where I was brought up, because some of the stories are. Although they're local, they're not exactly in that village. Mm. And one of them was in a village other side of town, uh, Stainforth, I don't mind naming mm-hmm. that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it just makes sense if, I've, if I have this village in my head where everybody lives in the same village and the, the street names have um, unusual names like Maggot Farm Boulevard and giblets viaduct because <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you share your poetry as well now don't you which is great so how do you get your poems out there these days right I uh, I go on a Facebook group called Northern Poetry um, I go on a site called Write Out Loud I go on a site called Booksy, which I initially joined that site when I was writing a novel. So my novel, what there is of it, is still on a site called Booksy. Um, and I also do an open mic in Doncaster at the uh, Doncaster Brewery Tap, which mm. I do once a month. How do you find that experience? Because that's kind of, certainly at the beginning, that must have been quite out of your comfort zone. Uh, the first time I went to Doncaster Brewery Tab, I went on my own. Uh, I didn't want anyone to see me fall flat on my backside. Uh-huh. Uh, the, f- the very first time I went, even though I'd got some poems in my back pocket, I sat on them all night and didn't read them. The second time I went, I uh, nervously got up and did a couple of my poems. They, uh, they seemed to go down very well. Uh, and I've not missed one since. I've been going uh, nearly two years now. I've even hosted the night twice, albeit as a second substitute when other people's not been available. But but I have hosted it, which is really out of my comfort zone. Mm. And and I was happy to do it. I'll do it again. And you did a very good job, and I went too, and I was very proud of you. It was really, really good. Maybe you could share one of those poems that you've shared then. I know you have one about a particular ailment that you enjoy uh, talking I, about. I took it you're talking about Fred's Little Problem, which was the very first poem I did on the very first night that I read a poem out. Uh, if you just bear with me, I'll have to find it for you. Yeah, go on. Please do. Fred Floppet. No, it's not Fred Floppet. This one. Oh, it's, Fred. it's a different Fred. Right, this one's called Fred's Little Problem, and as I say, it's the first one I ever read out when I did a poetry night. Fred had a little problem. It started with an itch. He'd worn through all his trousers, because he's scratching like a bitch. He sloped off to the doctors, crestfallen, racked with shame. The cause of his embarrassment, his bum, it fell to flame. The quack said, stick your tongue out, I'll look into your mouth. Fred said, to find a problem, start looking further south. The doctor checked his records. He searched through all Fred's files. He said, how do you pay for your treatments? With cash, sir. I've got piles. Hemorrhoids, the doctor said. An easy diagnosis. A suppository will clear that up. 
that was his prognosis. Put it up your back passage, which is simple except for that. Fred didn't have a back passage. He lived in an upstairs flat. <laughs> he went on in a state of confusion, not sure what to do. Fred never had a back passage, nor even an outside low. At the back of his flat, he had a small room, a bit of an old cubby hole, with a vacuum cleaner that just gathered dust and a second-hand washing up bowl. He thought, I'll stick suppository in here. It's like a back passage, I'm sure. So he moved out the old vacuum cleaner and placed it on cubby hole floor. Well, he left it there for three days, but his ass grapes didn't improve. He'd always liked it where he lived, but now he felt tempted to move. Cause although he were comfy and cosy, and he'd called it his home for so long, if you need to use a suppository, the layout of this place is wrong. And though he had a front hallway, with a stand for his coat and his hat, Fred didn't have a back passage. He lived in an upstairs flat. Now the flat just below Fred's was empty, since Mrs Maloney had died and Fred kept a key just for safety, so he used it and ventured inside. Cause the layout of this flat was different with it being on the ground floor, and just to the side of the kitchen was a passage up to the back door. And that's where Fred placed his tablet, a back passage, although not his own. He inflated an old rubber swim ring and sat down and waited alone. But his butt nuggets didn't improve none, Though he sat by the back passage door, he felt the old farmers just worsened and he really could stand it no more. Despair and anxiety gripped him, a fear of what was to come. He thought, for what good it's done me, I might as well have stuck it up me bum. He had followed the doctor's orders, the only exception being that Fred didn't have a back passage, he lived in an upstairs flat. That's fantastic. Love the idea of ass grapes and butt nuggets. It's very nice. Is this one of the biographical ones or autobiographical ones or? No, no. This this one, even though it says Fred, it's not really a Fred Floppy story. This one, it's actually based on a, a few different jokes which which have lived with me for a long time. I've rounded them up, put them together, and made it rhyme. So, it it, it is just based on a few old old jokes from mm. from way back when Yorkshire jokes I don't I don't know the origins of them jokes mm. I've just I've just realized I've shrugged for you and you can't you can't uh, audio a shrug can't transcribe a shrug no um who would you say your influences are then are there particular <clears throat> poets that you know of who you like their style and things uh, I've been asked this question a few times and the answer changes regularly uh, I love John Cooper Clark but I don't see none of his influences in my work because it's so different to what I, to what uh, I write um, if anything I would say Mike Harding because I were, I were brought up listening to that we, he used to bring um, long playing records out with poems on mm. and we had we had a few of his when we were kids what we because we didn't have a lot of records, we played them again and again. Uh, since I've been posting my work and um, doing open mics, lots of people 
um, compared me to Stanley Holloway or Mario Edgar, which is all right. A lot of Stanley Holloway's uh, work, what he did. Mm. So, uh, mainly because people's compared me to him, I've started reading and listening to some of his work. Uh, and probably that is an influence as well as my guardian. Mm-hmm. What is it that you like about writing then? So it's something I know that you spend loads of time doing it. Whenever I wake up, whenever I come back and visit, I come downstairs and you're here with the laptop out. What is it you like about it? I, up until a few years ago when I started writing my novel, which, as you know, has not been finished, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd never written anything at all. I never considered myself a writer. Uh, my, my English and my grammar was so poor that I actually um, did a very, very basic English course where it were like a 50-50 split with uh, English people and people learning English as a second language. That is how basic my my English was when I started writing. Mm. Uh, I like to think I've improved quite a lot. I would say so. Uh, over, over a period of probably three or four years. Um, yeah, so... so I write because I want to see my end product, but I'm also improving myself by doing so. Mm. And it's it's great as a hobby, and it's really good that it's got you kind of meeting loads of different people. How was it that first course that you did, just as a like as a social experience? Because I know a lot of people get held back by confidence with things like writing groups and things. Uh, you're writing what you're saying because I think when we started, there were probably about. 10 or 12 people in the group and it and it did whittle down as we came and it as it whittled down it tended to be the people who probably needed it the most but didn't have the confidence to go on with it mm. so I, I mean there were one particular lad who I felt for he was dyslexic he's um, his his command of the English language was faultless but, it, but it, being dyslexic he struggled mm. with it um, and I think it were a shame when he dropped out. Mm. I don't even know if I've answered your question. <laughs> yeah, I went on. I think so. Like, so talking about that lad, and I guess thinking about your own schooling and stuff. Um, you know, you've come to writing a lot later. Thinking of this as something that might be listened to more by teachers and things as well. So, what would you say about schools and writing? How would you? Um, I don't know what I'm saying here. Um, let's say this. If you were able to have a say in what schools do, would you want them to do anything differently? I consider that the school I went to let, let me down. Um, I don't see myself as unintelligent, but I, I left school with absolutely zero qualifications. Uh put that a lot down to a poor careers interview I had when I was 14 when I was basically told because of my class that um, the education wasn't for me and from that point I switched off mm. so if I did have any uh, say in what happens in schools I would say that well don't don't get careers advisors to, to come into school uh, without checking out the qualifications first and, and also checking out their um, 
criminal history. Mm. <laughs> Going by the guy who wound me up so much. Mm. Yeah. I think it's great that you've picked it up now, though. To a degree, yeah, I have. I'm, I'm, I'd consider myself self-taught. Mm. Uh, I, if, I, if I'm writing something and I want to and I want to find a particular word for a, to express myself and I can't think the word from my own limited vocabulary, I will Google it and find a word uh, and, and then I'll put it in as if, uh, as if it's a word which I've known all my life and, uh, and then when people read it and they say, what does that mean? Uh, a recent example is Denome, which I slipped mm. into my uh, recent poem. I, uh, I I just come across that word by accident, and I I, I mm. liked it that much. I put it in twice. <laughs> you seem to really enjoy language itself. Would you say? I, I do, yeah. Even though I don't consider myself brilliant at it, I do. I think you're pretty good at it, to be honest. I, I'm learning. I'm doing a very good job with it. I'm just thinking of a few more things because I want to hear another one of your poems. Maybe I'll ask you, um, what sort of things you're working on now. So as you think about the writing that you are doing and the writing you've done are you going to be looking at doing more of the same or have you got other ideas uh, just going by what's when I write a poem I tend to write it in my own voice now and I imagine myself stood at the open mic reading it out so I, I do write for my for my audience as I see them which is the Doncaster Brewery Tap, so, and I love Grimston Low, so I've done a couple of serious ones recently, but I'm gonna go back to Grimston Low and, uh, and write, which is, uh, which is probably rubbish, but goes down well. Okay, we'll have to cut this one off here. Um, it did go on for very, very long and it was interesting but also we ran out of time so there is a recording of another poem so we'll have that up at a different time thank you to dad also known as kevin to others um for contributing and for sharing his poems with us interesting thoughts as always and we will all remember dutch ovens forever You've been listening to A Different Way. A different way of doing things in school. Thank you for listening. <laughs>